Also, nasal flake transfer. Oh, That's another man, one I why have you gotta for you. Do that? Why you gotta be like that? Like <laughs> navigating furry troubles. <laughs> why you gotta? Why you gotta be like that, man? <sighs> Justin is not fucking tolerable. Oh, neither is Nathan. So, and this one's not for Tom's. Game on paper has taken a trip on the nasty fart trolley. Oh, f- <laughs> fuck off! <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Belker, stats-focused podcast about UGA football. My name is still Justin. And my name is Nathan. And we yeah, are live. To, you know. Yeah. The reports of our the reports of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. We did not die. We survived uh, you know, some minor world events. Uh, the invasion of yeah. an Eastern European nation, the first land yeah. war in Europe in 35 years. Arguably, um, so you know things are going, things have gone well. Uh, is there anything important <laughs> vis-a-vis the University of Georgia football team that we might need to talk about, Justin? Nope. Wrap it up. No. All right. It's, you know it's the off season. Uh, <laughs> not a lot going on. We're going to talk about the Dog Foundation. That's not true. There's plenty. The damn good Dog Foundation. And um, all right. Well, let's are start we? with the elephant who's no longer in the room because we beat his dumb dumb ass uh and the national championship the national championship the game where uga finally finished the drill where our they did they did the thing our collective fan base's 41 year long dalliance with an edging kink has finally been resolved (laughs) and we're all the better for it we look like stan's dad from uh from south park after he finally got into the room and got on the computer and it was ghost uh, we're just yeah. we've 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 cleansed ourselves. Our the, there's so many fewer impurities in our systems as a fan base. Do you want to talk uh-huh. about the national championship? Let's talk about feelings. I think and <laughs> what happened at the national championship, how we reacted to it, where where we are ecumenically, spiritually, emotionally. Yeah, we we did actually. So some people have asked, like, are you guys going to record our national championship episode? And fun fact, we did. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I went back to edit it, we sounded absolutely miserable. Uh, yeah. That was like the longest week, I feel like, of both of our lives and the longest season of both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you could hear it. And it was not fun for anybody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. us. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was better just to leave it be, I feel, uh, and leave the last that episode one, that came out. That one might be like something we, we throw in as a joke on a down week for our Discord patrons. For our patrons that might mm-hmm. go up on the discord because uh that one was not ready for prime time we i yeah. we were both half asleep <laughs> groggy <laughs> so it was a time yeah it was you know a lot of stuff happened in the two weeks leading up to the national championship that we haven't really uh talked about and one of those things was that i had a series of very very bad panic attacks and it didn't end up going to the national championship game. Um, so, yeah, now I'm on anti-anxiety medicine and I haven't had a panic attack since that week. So I'm I'm just cashing W's as is the UJ football yeah. team. And I would say I was. Uh, yeah, I hear you. 
I, I would say I, I wanted to say before we started this that I appreciate everyone's support when I put that on Twitter. It was a hard thing to do. And uh, I would encourage you to take care of yourself. It was not fun for me to miss the biggest game of UGA of UGA football in my lifetime in person. But it was the healthy decision, and I'm happy I did it. And I would encourage all of you to take care of yourselves and not let this stupid game ruin your life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you? Yeah. What, let, let's talk about our emotions. How are we feeling? What are you thinking? I'm feeling a lot better. I was I was just going to add that. Yeah, I was uh, following the game. I was I was deep in the throes of seasonal affective disorder, and it was a terrible time for me. And I feel like only in the couple last week, few last weeks, I've really come out of it, and that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sun has returned. There is, mm-hmm. you know, the warmth of the sun is on my skin. We're all doing okay. We're doing a lot better. Uh, but yeah, it was tough for a little while. But um, yeah, following the 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 football game itself, like, um. I was downtown. I was watching the game downtown. I got mm-hmm. to experience everyone running out in the streets and enjoying uh, the the win. Everybody all at the same time. I was you there. Came you came out. Uh, yeah, you came. You were like, I gotta come find you, and you did. We did go ring the chapel bell. Mm-hmm. I remember I was there with Ben and and Anna and a few other friends, and we we sprinted to the chapel bell so we could go ring it before anybody else. Yeah, and we and, saw uh, some we of did. the the exuberance of the young ones, uh, and that was. Mm-hmm its own sort of <laughs> the exuberance of the young ones <laughs> we saw people destroy property as you do uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i don't know i mean i i don't think it's 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 uh i think it's settled in yet we were 51 days away no i think i think someone said on our discord that this is the 51st day after winning the national championship uh which by the way if you add 38 and 11 it's 51 which is mm. no it's not never mind fuck Someone said that what? on Discord, and then everybody was like, "Yeah, that's true." But now I'm realizing that's definitely it's not, not true. true it's forty nine. <laughs> it's forty nine. Well, two days ago, <laughs> this would have been a really appropriate. Uh, this would have been a really appropriate episode. I don't know. I mean, I just I don't think it's fully settled in for me. It was just such a moment of like, I just like relief, you know. And it mm-hmm. wasn't like one of those Faustian moments where it's like, I got what I wanted and it wasn't worth it. It was like, I just felt like I could let go of a bunch of shit. Like, I yeah. find I finally didn't have to worry about a bunch of stuff that had happened in my life. And like all the things that had hurt me mattered less, you know, and it's it, it was just really weird. I, I've never experienced success as a sports fan, you know, and then three months apart, you know, my my base baseball team wins the world series and my college football team wins the natty. And I just don't, I don't feel arrogant or happy or I don't feel like I'm going to like talk a lot of shit next year, which I thought, I thought my reaction would be, I'm going to talk so much shit forever. And yeah, I mean, certainly like 38, fuck you. Like, (laughs) you know, 38 points. Yeah. You know, suck it, Alabama, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't really feel like entitled national championship winning fan. I just don't feel awful when I think about the history of my sports experience anymore, which I guess probably is more of a referendum on how disordered my sport relationship with sports were before this. But also like, I mean, 33 to 18. Why did I say 38 to 11? What the fuck? I'm just going to let you keep going. It's fine. Yeah, no, 33. 33- <laughs> Hold on, give me a second. I was right. Yeah. You were right. I just said the wrong numbers. 
And then I added the wrong numbers correctly. <laughs> yeah, it's 51 days since the national title. 33 to 18. Fuck it. God. And you just you were going to just let me keep going. Oh, my God. Well, I was going to wait for you to get it all out, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I just, I mean, I guess my biggest emotional thing is, like, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy for all the people that put more, more, even more than I did into this. I'm so happy for Brett and the people at the Redcoats who saw it through the 90s and the battle days. And I'm so happy for all the people whose grandparents had, you know, tickets and never got to see this happen. And now they did. And I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm pleased as punch. But I'm even more than that, I just don't feel awful anymore. I just, like, I watched the replay of Second and 26 for the first time in January. I saw it live in the mm. end zone that it happened in. And I hadn't watched it since that moment. And I felt like I was, like, shaking the dust out of the clothes I wore at the disaster site for the first time. <laughs> I don't know. It was a beautiful time. It really was. I feel like... Everybody talks about the, I'm trying to remember back now, like kind of go back a little bit, but everybody talks about the interceptions being the moment when it was, it was over, but I'm trying to remember whose touchdown it was right before that. The that AD I Mitchell. Felt like this is it. Yeah. AD Mitchell's touchdown where I was like, we're going to, we're going to win the national championship. Yeah. And then that happened and I was there like, was just, we just won the national championship. Yeah. It's like AD Mitchell. The A.D. Mitchell touchdown and then the Brock Bowers touchdown just seemed like the real capper in terms of offense. But like the A.D. Mitchell touchdown was like such a big, high profile, like sort of Sports Illustrated cover poster moment. And those just Mm -hmm. never happen in our direction, you know? I mean, and so was so was the so was the interception that that was also just like a big moment. And it just felt like. I don't know, man. It just felt like the such a like expulsion of so much bad energy and to have it happen in this like really like aesthetically pleasing, visually iconic way. You know, I mean, I guess every national Mm -hmm. title, if you're not Alabama, has these iconic moments and these heroes, you know, but like just the whole I, I was struck by how the narrative of the game paid off so fulfillingly in a way that I often don't find narratives pay off. I think it's no secret that this podcast editorially has been a little bit um, previous to the national championship was, we'll say a little bit skeptical of the whole, you know, from walk on to hero Stetson Bennett kind of thing, you know, and to Uh see it happen, it was just like striking. It, It just felt so special. It felt so, like I don't know, it's just never an experience that I've had to have this like really special, heartwarming, like moment happen and be like, oh, this happened for me. I mean, not for me, but you know what I'm saying. This happened for a team I support, you know. And it was just, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I I got nothing. Like I I have no way to to talk about this coherently. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, let me bring you back to earth by saying uh, George Pickens just ran a four four forty. Yeah, I saw that at the which combine. Is, uh, very fast. Yeah. Uh, also, Georgia sent like an entire team. Yeah, George to the Pickens combine. looking good. Jamari Sawyer looked good, uh, and talked a little shit at Jameson Williams, and that made me feel. Uh-huh. Um, that made me feel deeply, uh, deeply happy. Hard. Yeah. Uh, deeply hard I, I wouldn't go that far um do you want to talk do you have anything else about the experience of the actual game uh i mean at this point i don't know how much is it's really uh worth listening to or hearing about but it was you know we were all there 
we all experienced it. It was incredible. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget being there with, uh, you know, afterwards with all the people I love and all of us looking at each other and being like, did that really happen? And then realizing that, yes, it did really happen. And then having just the most intense, like, feelings hangover for the next week. Yeah, I just, it's like we spent six years talking about all of the ways that you could predict this to happen. And we spent six years making friends and creating this community and meeting all these wonderful people. And then in the moment that we finally won, I, I was just so, I mean, I didn't have words for it. I still don't fully have words Mm -hmm. for it. And that's rare. Like I have words for any, everything, even the really stupid things I have words for. You know, and I don't, I still don't know how to say what it meant to me to, to finally have it happen. And, and just thinking about all the people that I cared about that it was special to that made it more special. Like I felt, I still feel like, you know, this discord community, this CBC community writ large and the whole like sort of alternative sports media, UGA community in general are like really important to me. And that was something on the night of the Natty that I was really struck by was just like, when I say we did it, like I mean it in a very visceral way. You know what I mean? Like I remember meeting Tony Waller of WSLS at the 2017 Notre Dame game. And he was like, Oh yeah, I heard your show. And, And I was like, Oh, this guy who, is so much better at this than me knows me you know what i mean and that was such a like nice cool introduction to this whole world and you know being at the rose bowl and having people be like oh you're the shuffle pilker guy and like i don't know i i just i i I cannot give you anything coherent or meaningful even like two months out other than that it was special we should continue to acknowledge that it was special it doesn't matter what happens from now it will always be special and I think the specialness of it is inherently in the context of the relationships that you have, you know? I mean, I was thinking about Yara when it happened, and I was thinking about you, and I was thinking about all my Sousa boys and, like, girls, and I don't know. It was just a really cool moment, and Abby and everybody in the Discord. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to stop. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling kind of, kind of – I'm still a little emotionally raw about it. Yeah, makes sense. It was a really good time. It's a really special moment. And yeah, you're right. I think you put it, you put it well. You did a good, you did a good job. You did good. Um, You did good, bud. Do you want to talk about uh, some just like things that have been happening recently? Like not just yeah, like, yeah. If, not, I, I don't think that we have much to add to winning the national championship is amazing. And even if we had recorded yeah. the day after, I don't know what we would have said other than winning the national championship is amazing. It's pretty great. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it if you have the chance. Um, but the, the coolest part is doing it with all the folks. Yeah, and, yeah. And it having folks know. It yeah. wouldn't have mattered doing it without the people that I know because I do it. You know? Yeah. The point, the whole... It's pretty awesome. The whole experience wouldn't have mattered outside of all the people that made it special, which is everyone <laughs> listening to this. Even the yeah. people who are hate listening <clears throat> to it just to talk shit about our politics. Even especially, <laughs> even in especially, you guys. especially this one. Oh. This is a video. Uh, it's an audio podcast, so you can't see that I'm holding my cat up, who is probably going to uh, speak into the microphone at some point. But uh, there have been, you know, off season, as 
Kirby has put it, is still a time to do work. And there have been a lot of things going on in mm-hmm. the offseason. So um, those of you who have not been paying as close attention as you could be, good for we'll you. talk about a few things going on that we think are, are fairly important going on in the offseason. Um, first of all, one thing I didn't put on the notes is actually you know transfers. Uh, JT Daniels is in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, he has not gone anywhere yet. He is still figuring things out, I guess. I don't know what that means exactly. If that just means like maybe – I've seen some people talk about there's more that we don't know about. And the, like these coaches are reaching out to Kirby Smart and figuring out why you never played kind of thing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I think that he's probably just taking it slow and figuring it out so that he doesn't have to transfer somewhere else and not play again is all it is. It's not that – there's some big conspiracy. Um, that is, of course, I feel the the biggest uh, person in the transfer portal from Georgia right now. Uh, some people are saying that he may go to Auburn. Uh, oh, hate that, that would be that would be <laughs> hate that idea. Suboptimal. I mean, of course, I think mm-hmm. in terms of he's the biggest like sort of sunk cost loss, the biggest like uh, hypothetical ceiling loss. But I think the biggest actual practical impact of someone who's played a lot of minutes would be Jermaine Burton who transferred out as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was big. Yeah. Went up to Alabama. He went to Alabama, which is like really an interesting thing. I mean, I think it sort of highlights the nature of the transfer corner now where it really does matter about preparing for the NFL and getting in a situation that will use you and Jermaine Burton lost minutes this year. I mean, it's not a secret and whether that's because it was Stetson Bending starting or because of the way he was practicing or just because of the way the offense evolved, I don't know, but he did lose playing time to some younger guys. And I mean, I don't blame him. I wish he hadn't transferred to Alabama selfishly, but I I get it. He thinks that he can be, you know, the next Jamison Williams and Alabama has a, Mm -hmm. a track record of taking one year wide receivers transfers and turning them into really good players. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I do, I do wish he had not gone there. <laughs> it would, anywhere else. <laughs> of all the places. Yeah. Can't believe you've done this. Uh, what are some, I would like to talk, you know, speaking of transfer portal and new players and old players and whatever, uh, we just got through the recruiting season. And so we have a whole bunch of new boys on the way. Yeah. So uh, what can we sort of uh, give me some highlights? If you, What do you got? Right. So UGA's 2023. Is it 2022 or 2023? I always get the years mixed up. 2022. You can really trust me to talk intelligently about this because I don't even know the <laughs> I don't even know the actual year that it is. Uh, yeah. So UGA's 2022 uh-huh. class. I believe came in on 24-7, which is sort of the my preferred recruiting website, although, you know, your mileage may vary or whatever. Uh, came in third, I believe, behind Texas A&M, who just, I mean, seven five stars, 19 four stars, just absolutely cleaned up. Uh, but it was a very respectable third. There was a, a 330 points for Texas A&M, uh, 322 for Alabama, and then 316 for UGA. And then there's a 16-point gap to 300 at Ohio State. So those three separated themselves out and then Alabama even above or and then Texas A&M even above Alabama and Georgia. Now, whether or not that has to do with like Texas A&M's, let's say, um, liberal interpretations of the NIL rules, who knows, but they had a very good recruiting class. As for Georgia's recruiting class, 
big class, 29 commits, uh, highlighted by Malachi Starks, who's from Jefferson, uh, right close to Athens, who's a safety commit, uh, safety prospect, uh, played quarterback, I think, mostly in high school. Michael Williams, who's D-line co- prospect from Hardaway down in Columbus, both five stars for 24-7. Uh, Dalen Everett, who is a... I think he was previously committed somewhere else, but he's from IMG. He's a very, very good cornerback. 6'1", real tall guy, 185, like a big dude. Kind of fits the Georgia quarterback, uh, cornerback sort of role model uh, that Kirby Smart has liked to recruit. Um, Others that I think are just like players that I'm excited to see. Bear Alexander is a four-star out of IMG. I think he was originally at Texas. He went to Texas A&M for a while or committed for a while there. And his name is Bear Alexander. He's 325 pounds, 6'3". Um, kind of fits the role of like uh, you hope, you know, of an interior lineman to replace what we're losing there. And Davis and many, many others. Walker, among others. Oscar, Oscar Delp is a West Forsyth tight end who is like the next super UGA tight end. Very crowded room. Uh, mm-hmm. The class is probably highlighted just in a sort of like, I don't know, headline sense by Gunnar Stockton, who is a four-star quarterback out of Rayburn County, Rayburn County, Georgia, at uh, Old Tiger, Georgia. Uh, Stockton is a 6'1", 220 guy, kind of runs, passes, throws all over the field, has a little bit of like, I would say, Mahomesiness to him, like gets all over the place, weird long shangles, improvisational, um, definitely a dual threat guy. Uh, you know, he was the seventh, I believe, seventh overall uh, quarterback on the class. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, a very good player by any measure. I mean, there's questions about who he competed against because he was playing in, I believe, 1A uh, or 2A Georgia high school football. Yeah. 1A, D1, Region 8. Yep. They're in the same re- They're in the same level as, uh, whatchamacallit, as Commerce. Prince Avenue. And All those folks, yeah, they're actually no Ravens. Ravens in the same uh, region as Commerce. Like they played Commerce last year, if, oh, I, if I'm not mistaken, and like beat our ass. Um. Anyway, I mean, if you got old Gunner Stockton, yeah, well, his name, name is like Gunner, that, you better Gunner be Stockton. Games. I mean, come on. Uh, other guys that I think are interesting: Brett Thorson, who's been around. Uh, he's committed, I think, a long time ago. He is a Australian kicker, so the first Australian uh-huh. punter, uh, to my knowledge, at UGA. Uh, he was the number one overall winked punter, I believe, in his uh, in his class or in this class. Yeah, um, and that's exciting. You know, Australian style punting is a very interesting. Um, I don't know. Just it's a very different kind of uh, punting style. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Lots of drop kicking. Um, I was just going down in terms of like people have already signed per 24-7. Jaheim Singletary was a guy who he was a guy who was previously committed to Ohio State. He's a 6-2 cornerback. Uh, I believe he's like one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the nation. Cornerback. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. is a really, really good edge guy. Um, he out of, I'm going to say somewhere in Florida, maybe Heritage, American Heritage. Sonny Michelle's old joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Uh, those are both uh, early enrolled these. Branson Robertson Robinson is a Mississippi running back uh, who was the number, I think, the number one player in Mississippi, the f- fourth or fifth overall running back, depending on who you ask, four star player. Who Branson Robert- Robinson 
if you ever just want to see some dog porn, does very much have like. <laughs> I'm not saying he's oh, no, like this person, but Branson Robinson does have like baby Nick Chubb, Chubb vibes. Where if you look up a picture of him, he does not look like a human being. Um, he looks like he's like 35 in a very similar way to the way uh, Nick Chubb he did does. when he was a kid. Yeah, he's. There's a couple of pictures of him that if you look up, it's like he's a junior and that's what he looks like. Yeah. So he's kind of the next UGA running back, you know, Um, a guy who is just obviously going to be very physical at the point of account attack and has very good vision. And let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. That man is 18 years old. Yeah. It's pretty shocking, right? I mean, Christian Miller is a defensive lineman. I mean, in terms of like positions of need, Kristen Miller is a pretty big deal. I think he went to somewhere in Atlanta, Cedar Grove, I'm going to say. He's a four-star, um, like sub-300 guy, very athletic. Uh, people love him. Like Chris, Kristen Miller was like a real, I don't know, message board darling. People really wanted him at UGA. And um, other just like interesting people, Drew Bobo, who is Mike Bobo's son, committed to play <laughs> offensive tackle. Uh, I think he's a three-star recruit, but I mean, he's still a good player. Um, you go, Drew Bobo. Yeah. And let's see. I'm trying to look. Um, I really like uh, Malachi Starks. He's an athlete prospect, but he's probably going to play safety. And he just sort of like, to me, he smacks of just like every time UGA has just a stupid good safety, which like, Honestly, despite UGA's, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, UGA's sort of historically good defensive performance on the year, did not have a dominating safety in the back half, had some very good safeties, but didn't have a guy who was like just, you know, running the entire defense through him. But Malachi Starks is the kind of guy who can do that. He is just a an insane athlete that's who's big. He's like 6'1", 200 pounds as a, you know, high school senior, and he played cornerback or played quarterback in a, I think like a triple option kind of spread triple option kind of deal that Jefferson does. And he's just, he's a really good player. He's, he's a guy that I'm really excited to see. I think uh, Kirby has proven that with special players at safety at UGA, that he can do really good things. And for all that we're losing at off of this defense, I think that we're going to have to see a much different defense, just like, in terms of what the positions of stress are, and we're not going to be able to rely on the interior mm-hmm. of our defensive line as much as we can. So, so having someone like him in the in the fold really is nice. So there's your yeah. pure, deeply uninformed recruiting take. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, so uninformed. Arik <laughs> uh, Gilbert's back, which, uh, you know, we've already talked about mental health once in this episode, so why not a second time? It's just... It's excited that he's back. Yeah. There's been a lot of hubbub and mm-hmm. and kind of bullshittery on the internet about, oh well, you know Kirby Smart's getting soft and like he's lost control of this team. He'll let anybody back. I'm like, you don't know what's going on, and it's none of your business. Yeah, what's I going mean, on? I would think that we could say, if nothing else, that he was not having a good time, right? Like personally, yeah, he was um, not in a good place. And so if he's mm-hmm. back, then that means he's, I mean, presumably in a better, in a better place. place. We would assume. And so we're very happy for him. Uh, you don't, your window to play high level football at any level is very narrow, no matter how good of an athlete you are. So I'm happy that 
whatever thing he was dealing with personally is, if not solved, then at least, you know, uh, behind him in some, some capacity. Yeah, behind him to some extent, and that he has some, hopefully, mechanisms and safety structures around him to, to allow him to continue to improve as he goes forward. So we're very happy for him. Yeah, I'm excited. We were excited when he first came around. So I am hella excited that it seems like he's actually going to be able to play. So yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah. Uh, other things going on. This is so, you know, everyone talked about NIL when it became more of a uh, an acceptable subject. I see all sorts of billboards around town with all sorts of players. Like, for instance, above my, uh, the gas station nearest my house, there's a huge billboard with Carson Beck on it, <laughs> which, which it's just a weird world we live in now that all the, the college but football Carson players can just NIL be bill. on anything. Yeah, yeah. There's been some interesting yeah. UGA-centric uh, NIL stuff. I believe the, there was a just recently formed NIL collective uh, yeah. for UGA. I think it's called Classic City Collective. Classic City Collective. Yeah, is what I want to say. Why this is important. There are some reasons why this is important. It's because, one, uh, Athens and Georgia, University of Georgia, are a little bit later to the game on this. And two, because this does add recruiting value to the school like it it does not cannot directly obviously but if players see that the town the city and the uh the school are more involved with you know giving money to the players based on their name image and likeness then there's a better chance just more value for coming to the school and so um once again i think this is just a it's a it's a pretty great move um a lot of people have a lot of different feelings on nil things and giving the players money yeah but okay, uh, I, they're doing gonna, the work. I think you should give them the money. <laughs> I'm trying to think about, I don't think enough people listen to this for this really be, to be an issue, but let's just, let's pretend that someone important might possibly listen to this. Sure. Legally, NIL cannot directly be used for recruiting inducements, right? You can't yes. say come to this college because you're going to get a good NIL deal, right? Mm-hmm. But in practical terms, having a absolute like disgusting amount of nil money in your program is a recruiting inducement now i am in no way claiming that anyone related to uj or uj athletics or anyone anywhere is you know paying players via nil right but i will say that texas a&m has had a lot of success after being one of sort of the innovators on the forefront of having a nil collective and you know, the recruiting success has followed. Now, I'm not saying those two things are connected, but I'm just saying that having a shit ton of money to play people that you're trying to get to come somewhere, whether or not that's the reason that they go there is a good way to get people to go somewhere, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, just in terms of terminology, like what an NIL collective does is, well, in this, what Classic City Collective is doing is it's run by a former UGA compliance officer. And if I am reading everything that I've read collectively, it is a separate entity from UG Athletics, but it is running with the blessing of UG Athletics. And it is designed to be yes, sort of like a facilitation and middleman platform so that people can legally do NIL deals with athletes. Now, given that the NIL rules are, we'll say, um, we'll be polite and say loose at this point, you know, that legality might be just sort of like that we have it on the record and we're rubber stamping that, you know, nobody got paid directly that they actually did work, you know, for based on their name, image and likeness. But still it is good to see. It is a recruiting tool. It is something where Georgia can't afford to fall behind 
And, you know, you wouldn't think that they did. And I think you can see, like, having this started at UGA as a separate entity, but run by a former NCAA compliance officer at UGA with Josh Brooks and Kirby Smart's blessing kind of tells you that this is something that the program internally knew had to happen, right? I don't, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they are running it or that they started it, but they clearly didn't get in the way of it. Yeah. Which we'll see what happens. We'll see kind of how things go. Other things going on. There were some coaching changes as we have seen. Um, the, you know, Mike Bobo, he's around. Yeah. Uh, a couple big ones. Mm-hmm. Matt Luke left. Um, we're going to bring up mental health for a third time this episode, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. At least we assume. We don't actually know. But Matt Luke I mean, stepped away from football coaching. Yeah, he left. Because to, it's a lot of work. To be with his family. And that is sort of an, an yeah. interesting emerging trend uh, throughout college football is just that it's a lot of work. Uh, it's more work than even to be mm-hmm. an, an NFL coach in some ways. There's very few breaks and it's an always on job. And I think you kind of saw this coming. The writing was a little bit on the wall. Um I think it was Dog Out West, Dogs who Graham who posted this, but Kirby Smart did an interview with Reese Davis after the national championship, in which they were talking about like the future of college football, and he talked about how there were going to be some really good leaders and some really good coaches who left college football because of the workload. And I don't think that there's some conspiracy that Matt Luke was like secretly fired. I think that if you want to step away from something, that a job, the best time to do it is to just absolute is to just like be at the absolute top of your game right the best time to do oh, it yeah. is to be when you won the national like competition of that thing and so if you're Matt Luke and you know you want to step away pretty good time to do it yeah i would say so too which is a great time for us to say we're canceling the podcast no i'm just kidding oh fuck um, oh god don't even <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh um, we're at the top of our game this is it we can't get much better than this no Jesus uh, Christ, we did Justin. replace matt luke though with stacy Searles. what do you know about uh stacy Searles? he's coming from unc he worked at uga uh, before uh, people are pretty on the fence about this so what are your thoughts yeah uh well so stacy Searles was the uga uh was has already had this position for in his career um, he was UGA's offensive line coach uh, as when I was but a wee young lad, when I was younger and still had mm-hmm. hair, um, from, let's see, 2007 to 2010, um, which was not always a super great time to be a UGA fan, if you'll recall. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of the knock on him is that the interior, his interior line uh, didn't always play super well. Um, you know, the 2010 team was like one of the worst modern Georgia football teams in terms of record, uh, lost. They were under 500 uh, with a loss in the Liberty bowl to UCF six to 10, which was just a, just a pretty shitty time for everyone. Let me tell you from firsthand experience. So, I mean, (laughs) I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of of two minds. It's it, everybody says that he's a pretty good recruiter, but I'm not sure that I mean, and I, and I believe that he is. And I think maybe that this is just like Kirby Smart wants a little bit of familiarity. His other coaching hires over this last, you know, coaching cycle have been 
almost exclusively like young guys who can recruit. So I guess there's something to be said for hiring someone who you have familiarity with that you think can recruit, but also just like understands the way you do business. Uh, I don't think they overlapped. I think Kirby only coached at Georgia in the aughts, uh, 2005. So they would have been one year apart, but obviously they know each other pretty well. Um, and that it is an interesting sort of coach philosophy, um, or coach, uh, coaching staff, you know, assembly philosophy that Kirby Smart seems to have going on where he, he hires relatively unknown uppercomers and then up and comers. And then, you know, more experienced guys that he has uh, a lot more familiarity with. And, you know, I mean, it's worked. So I'm not, I can't say that I'm like entirely like just jazzed about this hire, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're less than 60 days away from a national title. So what am I going to say here? Right. Yeah. You trust Kirby until you can't. And right now we trust Kirby. And I think there's something to say about like workplace morale. It's really important to hire people you trust and know. And I think that as somebody who, you know, works for a living, as many of you do, I would rather have somebody that would be, that would fit into the system that I've created and the workplace that I've created and the environment that I have helped support and create than somebody who is going to be just like the best at their position and then make things shitty for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I would rather have that than the, the former than the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we were talking about this before we started recording that I think this sort of indicates and sort of solidifies the direction we're going as far as the offensive identity is concerned, because that has been something we've talked about for a long time. You know, Kirby likes to play a certain kind of football and the Todd Munkin hire kind of indicated that we were going in a different direction than what was traditionally a Kirby smart sort of, uh, you know, football game and hiring more folks that are coming from teams with identities of a pass first run later sort of thing. It seems like that is the way that we're continuing to go. Um, and, and this, you know, Steve Searles or Stacy Searles, excuse me, not Steve Searles, um, is somebody that's coming from a system that does just that. And so I, I think that continuing to add those pieces might indicate that that's the direction we're kind of leaning in towards. Yeah, um, absolutely agreed. I think there have been some other interesting hires as well. I hmm? I think, I mean, as for your Searles point, you know, the knock on Searles is that his offensive lines have just not been good recently, right? I think he they yeah. gave up like 49 sacks last year to North Carolina. I certainly agree that Searles has overlapped with some interesting offensive coordinators in terms of their passing concepts. And so maybe that's the idea. Um, But, you know, I think what it mostly has to do with is just that Kirby thinks that, you know, he can put anyone who knows his system and knows his culture, like you were saying, and succeed with them. And you know what? So far, he's done it. So, like, I don't think that that's arrogance. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. as for other coaching hires, you have Fran Brown on here as the new de- defensive backs coach. Uh, he was at Rutgers mm-hmm. and, and I think the two guys that we hired other than Stacy Searles are really interesting. Uh, Fran Brown and Shadera Uzo Deribe. I'm very sorry that I, how I just, I'm absolutely sure butchered the name of the pronunciation of the name. Um, but both <laughs> of those guys came from, you know, historically downtrodden football programs last year. Uh, uh, Uzo Deribe was at. Kansas and Fran Brown was at Rutgers and Mm -hmm. both of those guys have sterling reputations as recruiters are considered to be up and comers. And let me tell you, if you can be at Kansas and Rutgers and have a good reputation for recruiting, you're good at recruiting, right? I I don't think there's really Mm -hmm. any 
arguing that. And and I also think it's it's relevant with Uze Deribe, who spent the last two years at Kansas, and then before that, I believe, was the defensive line coach at uh, Colorado. He, um, sorry, he was at Texas Christian. Then before that, he was at Southern Methodist, and then before that, he was at Kansas. Before that, he was at uh, Colorado, and I think he played at Colorado. Maybe he was a defensive lineman, um, but hmm. like, despite the fact that I think he might be kind of a jerk, um, Texas Christian <laughs> or TCU. Fran Brown? No, 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 no. Uh, the guy that oh, okay. Uzo Deribe, uh coached for at TCU, oh, okay. Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson is sort of a jerk, but he is a good football coach. Uzo Deribe and Fran Brown both have good coaching backgrounds. They're both up and comers. They're both apparently like very dynamic young guys. I think one of them might be like younger than us. I think Uzo Deribe might be like, really? yeah, I think he might be like 29 or something. Um, oh, I forgot I wasn't 29 anymore. <laughs> That's upsetting. Hold on, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. Hey, Deribe. Uh, I will also, so while you're looking that up, I'll add to, um, and this is going to kind of flow yeah, he's into 29. Uh, an SCBC question. He's 29, but, and I um, think Fran Brown is 35. So, Okay. There we are. That makes sense. I met Fran Brown last week. Did is, you really? Is what I was going to say. And Fran, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so we're, we're just going to flow right into this uh, Ask CBC kind of question. Uh, Christy in London asked... Uh, Tell us more about the dogs visiting books for keeps. And so to give you a little bit of context, dear listener, um, it is a big deal to get the football team in any capacity to come volunteer for your organization, which is very exciting. And and I had a group of 25 uh, football players come to our warehouse last week and volunteer with us, which was very exciting, um, along with a few coaches. One of those coaches was Fran Brown. We also had a bunch of the incoming freshmen, um, like Jalen Walker was there, Ernest Green was there. Um, we had Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, Kenny McIntosh was there, uh, Cedric Van Pran, uh, just a lot of, you know, people who are going to make way more money than I do one day. Uh, notably, I will say a little bit of the, you know, a little bit of the tea. Brock Bowers is in a, a arm brace, which uh, upsetting, but yeah, I think there's that was know. sort of something that slipped out was that he had been playing injured, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was a situation, but anyway, uh, they were great. It was one of those moments where I remember all at once that they are all like 18, 19, 20 year old boys. And it was very similar to like, I've hosted boy scout troops before. It was a lot like having a bunch of boy scouts running around the (laughs) warehouse. And, uh, most of our, our volunteer shifts are usually like two hours, two and a half hours long. Um, except for like those shifts where I have like boy scouts or folks that I know are not going to be able to hold their attention for the entire time. And I usually cut them short. This was one of those (laughs) where I was like, okay, hour and a half, let's get them out the door. Um, there was a moment though with coach Brown where, uh, and he had been like super, um, super respectful and like very quiet and very like, yes, sir. No, sir. Like the whole time. At one point he called me coach and I was like, Oh, uh, that felt <laughs> That's good. That's the most but... powerful you've ever felt. <laughs> I've, I've never felt more powerful in my life. Yeah. But, uh, no, there was a moment where I was like, well, you know, we could actually make this process a bit more efficient if we added, you know, one of the guys over here to help you out. And he looked at me dead in the face and he goes, nah, they'll fuck up the flow. <laughs> and that was it. And he just kept going. I mean, that's wisdom right there, right? 
Yeah, he knew exactly what it was. Yeah, like, he's like, I know their limitations. Yeah, this is yeah. It. I mean, being 18 <laughs> has a set of limitations no matter who you are, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Yep. It was very funny to me. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. There are some pictures online of them volunteering there. And uh, near the end of the volunteer shift, I did get D's nutted. Um, and what I mean by that is... <laughs> um, I fell right into it. I walked right into the trap. I said, I need you guys to move these books. Um, and one of the players goes, um, which books? And I said, these. And before I could say books again, he said, these nuts. And so I was like, wow, I have, I'm have. i a grown man. I'm a grown he man. He just sir. fucking owns you. I've not you. been these nuts. You, you got to retire. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. You got to retire. I had to walk out at that point. Yeah, you're, you're, you're out. Uh, you're out. Yeah. One of my favorite things, though, is that I, I kind of took a... I kind of rolled the dice on this one and I was like, I need you guys to, usually if we have to move a bunch of books, you have to like take books off whatever surface they're on, put them away, move the surface, put the books back on the surface. And I was like, what if I put all of you guys on these tables and lifted them and moved them? And that worked. Like, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Like six of them the, could very easily move 2,000 pounds of The books. muscle mass <laughs> of your average Books for Keep volunteer is probably below what you had on that particular mm-hmm. shift. And I'm not, I'm an averagely sized, I'm an average size guy. Uh, I'm six foot, you know, I'm 180. I was by far the smallest person in that room <laughs> the entire time. Uh, it was, it was awesome. It was very good. I had a good time. Uh, next question. Bro, bro, ma. If Nathan and Justin had to get ass tattoos celebrating the national championship, would you do the same design or more of a tenacious D situation? I think, I think we would get, I, I if by tenacious D situation you mean ass tattoos that when our cheeks are pressed together they form a more coherent whole, uh, no, <gasps> I didn't absolutely know. incorrect. But I do think we would have I to would get like match. We've talked about natty natty tattoos. We haven't followed through on yeah, it. Yeah, we have. But we have some. We have some ideas mm-hmm. for. I would love to do a natty tattoo like live stream as we both get the Chapel Bell Curve logo oh, somewhere, somewhere on our body. That makes me think that we might we're going to be use... doing this long enough to where like. One day we'll be like, man, it'd be so crazy if we like live streamed like our vasectomies after we have children, kind of thing. Like we're just gonna keep going and going yeah. and going. I I live like, stream what, my vasectomy. What's the wildest live stream we could do? No, I mean, I, maybe <laughs> that should be like we just use a whole month of Discord uh, or a whole month of Patreon on yeah. our like have a Patreon fundraiser for our tattoos. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's do it. We could do a contest. Like, who could design the best? Oh, tattoo? okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we have any artists out here? Yeah, anyone who hears this who wants to submit a design that I will pay you for if we use it. Uh, yeah, I was about, I was about to say it's just Yara. <laughs> Yara is the is the artist. Yeah, but other people <laughs> might listen to this, like ten of them or something. So if you want to design our that's true national tattoo national championship tattoo, uh, hit us up. We will do, we will give you more than just recognition for your work. Yeah. Help me make bad decisions. Yeah. Put something on my and body. And join our Patreon so we can do it. Uh so you might have you might have surmised <laughs> at this point that now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Insofar as that this chaotic white guy energy podcast can ever have segments. Ask CBC. We've already answered one question. Oh yeah, we're here. Would you like me to queue you up with an- another one? Oh, yes, please. What what because I'm queuing you up with this because I don't know the answer to it. This is from Yara. We also have some other very really? good stuff. Yeah. What is an NFT? Okay. And why does every goddamn football player have one now? I know the answer to the first half, but not the second half. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that you were going to say you didn't know what an NFT was. And I was like, I, I'm, I don't know how to 
I like I was kind of baffled that you didn't know what an NFT was, but apparently I do. I just don't know um, why football players have them. I I could not tell you why football players have them either, other than that it's the cool thing to do right now, which I think it's dumb. Um, mm-hmm. I was in Seattle last week, and <laughs> I was in Seattle last week, and I drove by a building, and the building was titled the NFT, the Seattle NFT Museum, which the longer you think about that, the worse it gets because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not going to say because necessarily other than there's a museum already for NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand. Like there is sort of like a nested, a nested series of like causal logical relationships that you have to work through to like even translate mm-hmm. that sentence because it's like NFTs themselves are, illusory physical goods they are an attempt to make the digital physical right they are an attempt to make you know basically jpegs into fungible goods that have scarcity uh and i know i'm being reductive Mm -hmm. because i think nfts are a scam but fucking sue me crypto boy um like with your all of your (laughs) ethereum money but like the there's just something like sort of existentially challenging about the idea that we have this product that is like a fake attempt to make something physically scarce in a digital realm. And then we have like retranslated that back into the physical realm and then like slapped a veneer of like academia onto it by calling it a museum. And it's like, this is what Baudrillard and Kant were worried about. This is the simulacrum. This is the like death of the postmodern idea. This like this, this meme that is so virally infected us that we have gone from the physical to the digital back to the physical again, all at the behest of people who want to like embezzle money and launder it. Anyway, NFTs are a fucking scam. (laughs) They really are. Hey, before you actually, we haven't actually said what NFTs are. Um, Give me some uh, wrong answers only. Um, What's it stand for? D's nuts. Uh, Let's see. Jesus Christ. Wrong answers only. Uh, not for Tom Hanks. He's too smart for that. <laughs> Natty fucking um, tattoos. That's for about... Brobrama. No fucking triangles. Mm, yeah. It's just shapes that are not triangular. Mm-hmm. How about um, my nifty friend Todd? Mm. This is my nifty friend Todd. I like Everyone it. has yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this one is mine. Uh Norwegian funky tater tots. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Kale, except the good kind. <laughs> Can the dogs actually win back-to-back championships with the walk-on QB? Inquiring idiots want to know. That was another thing that happens. Tetsa Bennett is staying, those of you that might not know. Uh, I would say if the dogs have another once-every-35-year defense, then yes, we can win another national championship. Mm, that would be pretty cool if we did that again, huh? We are reloading quite Quite well, uh, okay, but we'll see I have how it really this goes sentence, when we get close to the season. I, just speaking of like me dying slowly, like from like memetic and anti memetic infections in my brain, I read this next question uh-huh. with uh, the word euphoria capitalized, which as though it were the show, but it's not. Uh-huh. So, anyway, just go ahead and read it. <laughs> it was rightly lost in the euphoria. But I hate the decision to go for... This is from the Klein, excuse me. But I hated the decision to go for one after the Bowers touchdown. And that was before I knew they could have used the roughing penalty on the two-point try. Though the benefit of being up two scores outweighed the increased chance of overtime. Okay, sorry. I was trying... Sure this is a question. I was trying to parse that in a way that would make it make sense with the show Euphoria. And I was like, 
Uh, okay. I have a lot to say about Euphoria, but no. Okay, in the Euphoria of the moment. Um, I There's not a question here, but I guess he's asking if we agree. I f- uh-huh. feel like that... Hold on. Let, let's look at our friends at Game on Paper. Also, Nasal Flake Transfer. Oh, That's another man, one I why have you gotta for you. Why you got to do that? Why you gotta be like that? Like <laughs> navigating furry troubles. <laughs> uh, why you gotta? Why you gotta be like that, man? <sighs> Justin is not fucking tolerable. Oh, neither is Nathan. So and this one's not for Tom's. Game on paper has taken a trip on the nasty fart trolley. Oh, f- <laughs> fuck off! <laughs> uh. All right, so the Bowers touchdown. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, if we look at the high, rel, uh, the high, the big plays, right by absolute EPA, of all of them, the number one is Keely Ringo's interception, added two percent win percentage to UGA, negative eight point one EPA per Bama. That's a big deal. Um, the second, the second biggest one was actually a Bama play when Stetson Bennett was sacked in the what was that fourth quarter. Let's see. James Cook ran for 67. That was a big one. The biggest Georgia uh, offensive play per for UGA was actually the A.D. Mitchell touchdown, the reception. Brock Bowers was the second biggest one. But at the moment that that Brock Bowers caught that um, caught that touchdown to put UGA up 26 to 18, they had an 86% win percentage. Um, you know, the win percentage added was high there at that moment, um, 6.5. But, you know, you're already in a pretty good situation to win just by based on the sort of context of the game and how UJ was playing. So if you go for one, um, which they did, you go up 26-18, that puts you up six. So I guess the question is, did we think it was better to take the roughing penalty and then go for two on a short field on a short play and try to go up seven? I... I sort of think it's okay to go to take the one point there for a couple of reasons. One, you have a historically good defense, right? And you have a historically good defense mm-hmm. that's been sort of, I don't want to say figured out, but that has really had some success against what was, you know, previously a pretty daunting Alabama offense. And two, I think that UGA just felt like it could kind of score on Alabama at that point. Um, and they, I think UGA, I think the coaching staff felt like that they had a sense of what they could do and didn't feel like that they wouldn't be able to just take the ball back and kick a field goal if they had to to win, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think probably if you were to go by data, it would tell you that the two point is better there. But I'm not sure that, I don't know that it's going to be that big of a swing. I mean, 86% win percentage uh, tells you that, you know, it's a high leverage situation, but it's not one where you're really killing yourself one way or the other, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, we have one more question. Mm-hmm. Or a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. This one's Coy Boy McFoyle. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite piece of championship memorabilia that you've bought, in parentheses, or top 10 if you also immediately bought too much stuff at, as if you had to in order to ensure it was real? I have a... Redcoat National Championship crew neck that has the old school drum dog and it says 2021 football national champions. And that's my favorite one because I love crew necks. I think they are very flattering to mm-hmm. my body type. 
And I also it's true. think that it just looks good. I like a black crew neck. I like going black on black on black. That's been my new thing this year. My new post, like getting my serotonin in order thing has been to just really lean into my emo phase. Like I bought some black on black checkered vans and I'm wearing a lot of black Henleys. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that's, that's my favorite. What about yours? Um, my favorite is, is actually my, my favorite is my least favorite <laughs> is that I did buy the AJC papers and they showed up like weeks after I purchased them, like many, many weeks. And it was just a big plastic bag with a letter in it that said, we're so sorry that your stuff was destroyed. And it was basically like a letter from the U S postal service that said, we're so sorry. We fucked up. We don't care enough to fix it here's the remnants of whatever it is you ordered. And it was like just a small corner of the paper left in this plastic bag with this letter that said, sucks to suck, idiot. Um, did you frame the letter? I didn't know that that could happen. And the piece of... I did not. I should have. I threw it away in anger, but I'm just... It still kind of cracks me up that it happened. I still don't have a paper because they stopped... Uh, to my knowledge, they stopped printing them. But um, maybe there's some still out there. Maybe they're worth too much money now. I bought it for 10 bucks. I also... Made me mad that I couldn't I also... I don't know if you did, but I got the Homefield shirt, and it's dope. Well, I got the, the Homefield shirt. Bulldog. I'm wearing it right now. I really like it. I, I'm wearing the black mm-hmm. uh, Natty one. I actually... The post-game tee that said, like, Victory Lane, I kind of like that one. I like the gold on the black. I got that one, too. But I think the number one has to be that red coat. The red coat crew neck. My favorite is the Homefield apparel shirt that I got. Um not a sponsor right now uh and i bought it the night that i was just kind of drunkenly running so around athens my, uh excited my, about the, I, the win i know that she's gonna shiver when she hears me say this but i'm actually mean this is a compliment <laughs> my beautiful perfect wife samantha uh in the act in the sort of aftermath the 48 hours after uga won the natty i kept on sending her links and being like whoa isn't this one cool whoa isn't this one cool but i meant like hey this is neat maybe we should look at these and we should buy one of them but what Samantha, who is a perfect saint and is above reproach and I will kill for her, did is she just bought all of them. <laughs> so over the next month, uh-huh. I got like seven or eight things that I did not know I was getting that were national championship related. And because of that, she is my muse. She was already my best friend, but I would murder for her. She's the most beautiful, perfect human in the world. And I would kill everyone listening to this to keep her that way. Anyway, next. I hope she can hear you. I hope so, too. I'm sure she I'm going to get some nut chat messages real quick, <laughs> if that's the case. I haven't gotten one some yet, so I'm assuming chat? that What'd she's not in within hearing distance. That's good. Last question. What is a good... This is from Abby. This is Abby's for life. Abby's what is a good adventure? Uh, Patreon question. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What is a good adventure, then, that four hobbits go on in the One Ring RPG without leaving the Shire? Where do they go? What do they do? Who do they see? All right, so what you're actually see. asking me to do is to write a slice of life RPG adventure, which is like the reason I get up in the morning. So I'm I'm very happy about this. So I think if you want low stakes, uh, you have there's two ways to do low stakes. One is if you have a robust enough system where you can um, actualize those stakes in a way that ha- feel like they still have like they still can hit. So if you have a sometimes you'll have systems that like. Um, that allow you to have like emotional roles or track your relationships. And, you know, those systems are really easy inherently to do low stakes because 
if the stake is your relationship with this person, it still feels like it has heft, right? But if you're working with a system that is geared to a more like high fantasy arc, which I think Lord of the Rings system is, what you then have to do is treat the low stakes arc, the low stakes story as though it still has the heft of a high stakes story, right? So really as a DM, what really involve what is really involved in it is like creating a story that you with a completely straight face sell as being high stakes. So some things I've thought about is um, there's crows trying to get your newest crop and you have to track them down and there's some kind of big crow mother and you don't even kill her. You just convince her not to, uh, you just convince her to stop attacking your crops. Also, I think you could do a really good one of like planning a big old party where you have to like go like fight the wild dogs off mm. to pick all of the the stuff for the party and like you have to go convince the the tall folk to give you beer. Uh, they do brew their own beer in the Shire, so that's not totally in canon. Another one that I think would be really good if you wanted to do sort of a little bit more tongue in cheek would be, uh, and I've done this in Dungeons and Dragons would be to have all the player characters playing as children half uh, children hobbits who are yes. they have big dreams and they're like reenacting Frodo and Sam's journey to get the one ring years later but going across the shire and then each chapter you're sort of learning more about the shire I want that I really want to play this RPG I saw it before but I did not kickstart it um some low stakes things that I would think oh especially in the world of hobbits um everyone's hungry but all the food is gross the only food they have is gross mm, that's a good one <laughs> that's how that's the hook it's it's got you moving already or uh, i really love time timey-wimey things and i like the idea of getting a letter from yourself and being like uh what and it can all still happen in the Shire, but it's like really low stakes RPG kind of hooks going on. All right. Here's another um, one that I like is what else? Player A has a crush on someone who is not their significant other, right? They, they're single. Uh-huh. And they decide that they need to do something foolhardy and go on an adventure in order to impress their intendee, right? So player B and C are like the people that they drag along with them as they try to do this foolhardy. You know, like we're going to go and we're going to go ha- uh, get food from the tall folk or like we're going to go to the the Ford where where Frodo and Sam crossed. And then sort of the deal is you're trying to navigate the world of the tall folk, but also like the attendee shows up to try to drag player A back by his ear. And so the, the <laughs> adventure is also about protecting this person that they're in love with from the horrors of the outside world. Which are actually not that horrible, but it's scary to go outside of the Shire. Mm. Other ideas I have, uh, you can basically run any story arc from any episode of what we do in the shadows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You could also, ooh, you could make like a Hobbit's um, Too Hot to Handle or Love Island. Yeah, I was was going to say like kind of an enemies (laughs) to lovers thing, you know? Yes. Um, Also... They all are running a bakery together, mm. and it turns out that maybe somebody comes to the Shire and wants to buy the... They want to franchise it, and they're like, I don't know, and they have to deal with that. They have to navigate that now together. Um, 
Yeah, I also mm. like the idea. Of I'm in the mood they, now. They have to like cook a big meal, and so like they have to source their their also, st- make their menu and source their <laughs> source their source their ingredients, and then they roll to see like what the reception is. Like based on how well they roll, Ugh, on there. they have to go to the farmers market. Well, usually just the <laughs> farmer, right, in the Shire. <laughs> yeah, the farmers. Yeah. Um, we also so Nathan and I play a D and D game every Wednesday, and our group typically gets themselves into these sort of situations. And Nathan is DMing right now, and uh, we just kind of like to be shitheads to an extent and make Nathan do things that really are not relevant to the story. Like I think we spent two weeks on two paragraphs of like story that the game gave you once, just because we kept making up new characters and following those people instead. <laughs> so, yeah, you... like for instance, now we we have a metery. We own a metery now. Yeah, somehow. you guys like turned what was supposed to be like. 15 minutes at the end of a quest into like a six episode arcs of parks and rec about like the nature of local government in a post-feudal society. Um, <laughs> and you met a sex entrepreneur and you met, we sure did. And a polycule and a polycule. And then what was the auntie and uncle? Oh, um, no, there was an auntie dragonborn. I don't remember the uncle. No, or was it? It's, it's always uh, uncle was auntie's ever. wife. But Auntie actually was dating. Uh-huh. Well, they had gotten a divorce. Auntie left Uncle, and then anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> there were there, it was. There, I I just say yes and too much. Anyway, let's get let's get off of this. Let's do Yara's Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. triumphantly <laughs> returning. Let's do some Yara. <laughs> let's. We're gonna have to cut like the last five minutes uh, just for the Discord because that was so such navel gazy like self flagellation that no, nope. you know, not for them. Uh, NFTs right there uh all right getting right into yara's rage thank you yara for sending this in even unprovoked uh hey besties i missed y'all let's do this number one all right respectfully what is a combine like i know it's a weird workout but why is it needed (laughs) well it's a it is a weird workout and a lot of the thing Mm -hmm. a lot of the exercises they do don't matter as much as people think a lot of people for the skill positions are just there for the 40 yard dash to see what their straight line speed is they also do a shuttle drill, which is like an agility drill where they're running in sort of a zigzaggy pattern. They do a cone drill to, to test turns. So there is some physical, there's physical evaluation going on, but the combine is also where a lot of team interviews happen. Um, a lot of team interviews are just like absolutely invasive and horrible. But if mm-hmm. you don't have the invasive horrible parts, there is still a justification, I think, when you're going to pay someone millions of dollars to interview them. Um, although sometimes they're racist and horrible. But uh, the combine is yeah. also where a lot of wheeling and dealing gets done for the NFL. Um, it's sort of like an like a big party, an NFL-themed party is my understanding. Uh, there's interviews, there's weigh-ins, there's drug tests, there's measurements, official measurements. There's uh, one of the big things for the players who get invited to the combine is that they have to clear a like really intensive battery of medical tests, especially if they've been previously injured. So for somebody like George Pickens, a lot of the combine is showing your speed, but then also, you know, having your knee evaluated fully by an independent doctor so that you can prove that you're fully healthy again. Yeah. It's also super, you know, mentioning the, the interview for a moment, a lot of people had a lot of issues with George Pickens um, behavior, quote unquote, over the last few years. Um, and so that would be a great opportunity for him to show how much he's grown and his sort of professional demeanor, et cetera, et cetera. And, and exactly what you said, like folks that are coming off of injuries, like George Pickens had that ACL injury and still ran a 4-4 today. Like 
that looks great for him. Uh, so it is an opportunity to kind of say like, this is where I'm at now. This is where you know I was at before. Um, this is my growth, et cetera, et cetera. It is a weird workout though. It is very strange. It's like a strength contest. Everyone's a strong man. And uh, I think they should, they kind of do wear, I was about to say, I think they should all wear leotards, but they kind of do. Um, they have a specific outfit they wear. I mean, there's a reason like, it's called know, a, the the sort of the underwear Olympics, right? Yeah. Number two, do you all think we can clutch another natty dub because I refuse to let Bama win again? I mean, next year, I don't. I think Bama might be Bama again, so that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the next few years, yeah, absolutely. Number three, thinking so much about our first game against Oregon, is it going to be a hard win? I low-key think it will be. R.E.P. Dan Lanning, not dead, just gone now. Um, I think we should beat them relatively comfortably, but it's we're a long way away from yeah. that. Um, but I, I think we yeah. should win. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Oregon tends to be overrated. Well, I mean, not that they... And kind of like a glass cannon. I don't know that they're overrated so much as just like... Towards the end of the year last year, they showed that they had some real deficiencies and they're going to be replacing a quarterback. Uh, their quarterback was not mm-hmm. excellent last year, but he was serviceable. And while they do, you know, Mario Cristobal built Oregon to be sort of like SEC style in terms of their line play. And they have some very good players on both sides of the line. I don't know that they have the top to bottom speed and size that Georgia is going to have coming in. Yeah. Oh, their new and their Number new four. QB is. Did we just? Oh, hold make, on. Oh. What we're gonna win? Their new QB is Bo Nix, who should be playing tight end. Yeah. <laughs> we get. We already know how God, to do this. God, what a blessing <laughs> it is that Bo Nix transferred and mm-hmm. is still on the schedule. I love it. Number four. Did we just make a shit hire with the OC? Yes or no? I believe that Yara means the offensive line uh, coach. offensive line yes. coach. Um, I think it's too early to tell. I don't feel great about it, but I'm not willing to come out and say it's a shit hire. Yeah. Number five, this is off topic, but I'm in Nashville, LOL. What do I do while I'm here? I mean, you got to go to some trashy bars for the the yes. sort of um, bachelorette party scene. That's a big deal in Nashville. Yes. Go to a honky tonk or two. Um, you know, there's a place get called a dumb hat. Honky Tonk Central honky tonk in Nashville. Central, yeah. Yes. It's a three story honky tonk bar and it's it's just fantastic absolutely fantastic it's what nashville is is for i believe uh number six when is an appropriate time to inform my boyfriend ding 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 ding. uh that's my exclamation point sound about my niche internet micro celebrity status on cbc well first of all we want to congratulate yara on their their the beautiful risky uh vulnerable move they made they made in acquiring a boyfriend and we, we wish them many happy returns. You tell them right now because it is an amazing thing and you are an amazing person. And your boyfriend, yeah. if they are, if your boyfriend is worthy of being your boyfriend, they will celebrate how cool that is because it is very cool. We should make you uh, like a little business card. I like to make my friends business cards. It's one of my favorite things to do. I have one for my friend Ben Pulowski and it's absurd. Um, we should make you one make, <laughs> with an official title. Make Yara one or me one? Yara yeah, one. let's do it. Mm-hmm. Number seven, cute idea, uh, cute date ideas. I'm unromantic <laughs> as fuck. Uh, I, I think a Rook and Pawn night would be a good one. It's like five dollars. You can play a bunch of board games, have some good beer, some good food. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you want something that is for free, you could go to the Georgia Botanical Gardens, which are beautiful yeah. all year round, but especially as the as springtime comes by. Um, I'm trying to keep these sort of like cost appropriate for a college kid. Uh, I'm I'm quite yeah. partial to Sandy Creek Park. Sandy Creek Nature Park has some very nice walking trails. Uh, Hard Labor State Park is about 30 minutes outside of town, but it also has some really nice, really fun hiking areas. Um, if you are willing to spend a touch of money, uh, I mean, obviously there are a lot of very good restaurants in Athens. I would recommend going to one that's weird or that's sort of like off the beaten path. Manawinta, the Ethiopian restaurant is a good one. Yes. Um, personally with Samantha and I, the best dates we have are just like places where we feel comfortable and can talk a lot. So like, we mm-hmm. like to just sort of go out to a restaurant and people watch and chat and be discussing around each other. So I highly recommend that as well. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. have any recommendations? Yeah. We like doing the same stuff. I like people watching. We like we like um, listening to other people's conversations, like really loud conversations, not like creepy. Like we don't like, you know, sit in a side booth and like really dial in. It's more like... We want to go somewhere where people are already being loud and maybe imbibing and listen to what they're talking about and try to be like, what do you mean? Um, other thing, like we like to go out on hikes. We like to do stuff with our dog. We like to be active. Um, but most date nights that we enjoy the most are usually like we we really love cookbooks and I like going to the uh, the bookstore, finding a cookbook that looks interesting and finding something in there to cook together. Because that is a whole experience. Yeah. It is, you know, you got bookstore, then you have grocery store, then you have back home to cook it. And it's just kind of fun. I, I would also to be able say to cooking something that you have absolutely no idea how to cook is great. Yeah. It's really fun. Especially when both of you are <laughs> in the same mm-hmm. boat. Uh, number eight, back to basketball. Why haven't we fired Tom Cream yet? Uh, Well, we're going to. And I think we're just yeah. waiting for his buyout to go down. Yeah, I think that's got to be it. I mean, dude was like, in the middle of the season, he was like, I'm not afraid of being fired right now. It's not something I'm concerned about. I'm like, maybe you should be. Because then he went on to lose <laughs> the rest of the like, games. He has one SEC win. Yeah. I don't understand. With as much talent as he had. Ugh. Number nine, what recruiter are you most excited to see play? I want to see Bear Alexander. Uh, dude, same. I don't want to With hype a name up. like Bear Alexander. I, I refuse to hype up any Georgia quarterback recruit because I can't say for sure that they're ever going to play. But Gunnar Stockton is like a different kind of guy. He is a style of quarterback, a very modern style of quarterback that I would love to see. Um, so that would be mm-hmm. Gunnar Stockton I'm very excited about. Uh, I want what Brennan Robinson. Was that the big boy, the big running back? Mm-hmm. I want to Brandon see that Robinson, guy. I believe Let's is his see first it. name. Brandon Robinson. That's right. Number 10. Um, Ayo, I'm 20 now. What should I do before I turn 21? Uh, I don't I know. Mean, You're doing everything already. Yeah, you, you have a very deep and varied life at 20. I, I don't, I mean, you've already been deeply involved in some social movements and you went to the natty and won one. You've, you're, you're, you are on the way up. There's nothing, there's no way down. Hey, here's what I would encourage you to do. It's something I'm trying to do. Go do something that you're like very bad at and uncomfortable with. Yeah. Do something out of your comfort zone. Do something that scares you every day until 21. Well, not, not like every just a day, little bit scared, but just not like, like really like scared. Go do something you hate doing. Like if you don't like to dance, go out dancing. 
take a class in something mm. that you, like a like a local class something you're uncomfortable with read a book yeah read some <laughs> books like find a book that you really want to read and spend some time reading it and falling in love with it i could waps rhapsodic about mm-hmm. like a lot of books but i recently read pride and prejudice again and it was like a very intimate date with jane austen over the period of several months and i felt like we were having this like very fiery dalliance every time i opened my kindle app <laughs> it was really powerful i like that jane Austen has no idea what a kindle is and i like that i would rock her world <laughs> go ahead and see us out so we can go see your friend jane well i mean like we are like two ships passing in the night and every time we see each other we think about the the special time that we spent together you know um, but now I'm I've moved on to the Bronte sisters and I'm probably going to read I don't know Frankenstein or something Mary Shelley oh my bitch anyway this has been Chapel Bell Curve <laughs> if you like what you heard here today and I, God bless you if you do uh, we would love to have you follow us over on social media we are at Chapel Bell Curve pretty much everywhere Facebook Instagram and Twitter if you would like to support what you heard here today we'd love for you to join our Patreon. Uh, as little as $1 a month gets you access to our Discord and an awesome community of folks who will absolutely guarantee make your day better and more weird, which should always be your goal. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. We will catch you over the next few weeks, not in another two months. We will record another episode. I swear to God, we will finally mm-hmm. record the RPG oh, yeah. actual play episode this summer. I promise. Yes. Please. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. Uh, but We'll catch you in the Classic City until then. And go dogs. Yeah, go dogs.